Hi everyone, and welcome back to The Blast Podcast, a show where we believe movies can be more than just movies. We start every episode of this podcast by saying that movies can be more than just movies. And when Ty and I went to brainstorm some ideas for season two of this podcast, one thing we wanted to make sure is that from time to time, we dive deeper into some of the movies that were more than just a two-hour watching experience. In this type of episode, we want to really break down some of the movies that either changed the way we looked at something in life or movies that we just couldn't stop thinking about after the credits rolled. And what better way to start recording these types of episodes than with a movie incredibly influential in Hollywood, a movie that helped form my friendship with Ty, and a movie that will go down in history as a once-in-a-lifetime event. Today we're going to be talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League. Wow, what an intro. What an intro. I'm so pumped. Dude, I so I pumped. slaved over that. I was trying to make it as epic as possible. Um, now that we've got you all you roped succeeded. in, uh, <laughs> I wanted to start this by kind of walking through the history of this mythical Snyder Cut. Because if you're not either in tune with movie culture super well or just not really into DC even, like you might not know really the story of what this movie is and how just absolutely fucking insane it is that it even exists. Um, so I, I guess this all starts with Zack Snyder having an original outline of the DCEU. And do you know what that outline was, Ty? I mean what he had three justice league movies planned right yeah so he sees the mcu making 40 million movies a year and he decides you know what for the dceu we're gonna make five we're gonna do man of steel batman versus superman and justice league one two and three gets through man of steel just fine that is such an amazing movie and it actually did fairly well at the box office and was critically and audience received fairly well uh if i remember correctly but then bvs is just received so poorly and that crushes me because i know that you are just as much of a supporter of this as i am but do you want to talk a little bit about why batman versus superman might have been received poorly in the first place oh yeah i mean that's the kicker is the bvs that you and i love isn't the bvs we got in the theaters it was a studio mandate. Look, Zach, this movie's too long. You need to trim it down to two and a half hours because that's the trend right now. Movies are two and a half hours at max, so get it down to that. What ended up happening is a lot of those smaller plot threads that were so interwoven into the story that explained you know, Superman's motives a little bit more, um, kind of gave Lois more to do. It fleshed out Lex's motives and how he was tied to the whole story. All these missing threads in the theatrical version were cut out and that's why people didn't like it yeah. and then top that off with superman dying and people were just furious and then it didn't make money yeah and that was the big kicker who would have thought that taking away crucial parts of <laughs> of a movie would potentially impact the movie poorly like shocker it's, it's so frustrating and so studio mandates this is kind of the first time we see them coming into this story of Zack snyder's justice league because once Batman versus Superman is received so poorly, instead of taking a look back and saying, hey, like maybe these studio mandates are partially to blame for this failure, everything with Zack Snyder is thrown into question, essentially. they Warner Brothers no longer trusts him, basically at all. And that brings me to my first point of this, which is 
we need to have faith in our artists to create art and it's it's so frustrating just even thinking about how amazing this dceu could have been if it was in the hands of a24 (laughs) it's so true and also what's so frustrating is to your point like they gave this guy the keys Mm -hmm. to the i mean it got to that point where like hey zach we would like you to pitch us dceu and we're gonna let you run with it the second there was a flop they hit the panic button it was like a disney play and completely started meddling and you see the the immediate impact on the 2017 justice league movie Mm -hmm. you do and I, I have to bring up this video because I actually think this video has more to do with the failure of Justice League than some might think. Do you remember <laughs> the YouTube clip of uh, of an interview of Henry Cavill and, and Ben Affleck that came out right after Batman vs. Superman and they start talking about the mixed reviews and Henry Cavill is super animated talking everything through and then... The camera just slowly zooms in on Ben Affleck, who's going full Batman mode. (laughs) And you get the sound of silence playing in the background. That is one of my favorite memes to this day. (laughs) Wow. He just drove one from deep, deep in the archives. That's such a classic, too. Now people just, like, use the Affleck portion as a meme. It's become so ingrained. Yeah, dude, it's so... But, like, when that goes essentially more viral than the movie, I know a, a lot of people who have seen that clip but not, haven't even seen the movie, that's when uh, you know that this is a big, big trouble, right? Yeah, you know, funny enough, and I don't want to go too far on a tangent, but I remember it being received so poorly and hearing all the negative feedback, BBS, that when I showed up to the theater, I bought tickets for BBS and realized that Deadpool was showing. I'm like, eh. Do I really want to gamble on BVS when I can go see one of my first R-rated movies here? And I ended up going to see Deadpool instead. Yeah, dude, that's that's an all-time. Eh, actually, that might be an okay decision just because of the theatrical. It, it worked so out. Bad. Yeah, it worked out, man. I, I dodged a bullet, I think. But nevertheless, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. in 2016. Snyder starts working on this film. He's he's got a a product that is supposedly about 90 percent done. And Warner Brother executives deem the film, quote, unwatchable. Wow. How the fuck did that happen? I can't imagine. Like, this, the, if, if they thought this was unwatchable, it had to have been a completely different movie, right? Right. Right. I, I, every time I go back and watch Snyder Cut, I watch and think, what? What what were they watching? What what did they feel they needed to change? How do you watch the Flash go back in time and save the universe and be like this is this doesn't make sense? Ax this. Dude, it's it's insane and all of the cyborg stuff as well kind of I mean cyborg oh. got thrown to the dirt in this and we'll touch on that later, but <laughs> essentially to set Snyder back on the right track, who does warner brothers bring in to to help him out avengers boy yep joss whedon josh joss whedon and warner brother loves him um they they are raving about what he's what he's doing and slowly snyder is starting to lose control of this movie that he's made and it's falling into the hands of a different director one who 
arguably has like the most different style you could possibly have from Zack Snyder. Is that a ridiculous take? No, and I so the way I understood the history is a little different than the way you're explaining it. So please confirm if I'm missing something. But I always thought that Snyder, you know, either stepped down, but or and or was forced to exit, and then they brought in Joss. I didn't know that they were working at the same time. Is that what was happening? Yeah, they worked at the same time for a while, and at first, they apparently, reportedly worked really well together. Like, Snyder was like, oh shit, like, maybe this guy is, like, contributing some really good stuff, but um, as as Whedon started to get more and more ideas on how to change it, Warner Brothers started to side with him more than Snyder, and then the tensions kind of sort of start to rise you know sure and then that's the problem is then Whedon takes full control of Justice League as Snyder steps down is that what you kind of want to touch up on now yeah so the next step in this history is that Zack Snyder's daughter Autumn uh tragically passes away um and uh, by suicide and he and at, at a last moment he decides to save his cut of this film and he he just puts it on a hard drive and apparently he just wanted it to show the boys he like just wanted to show his friends he wanted to show nolan he wanted to show uh some clips at like parties he was gonna have like later down the line he just wanted to like have this as a keepsake that he could like flex on people you know I did not know that. That's so cool. It's, <laughs> I, it's so Such awesome. Such a Zack Snyder thing to do. Because he is, Zack Snyder to me is a 12-year-old who just like made it big. Like I feel like he's still totally. just, just a teenager that's like having as much fun as humanly possible making this, uh, what I consider to be art. Yeah, but I love it. Essentially, Snyder steps away and Whedon cuts... About 90 minutes of Zack Snyder's footage from the movie. He also added approximately 80 of his own pages to the script. So this is now a completely different movie. And what do you know? Justice League comes out and it fucking sucks. And critics say, oh, well, it's it's pretty clear that half of this movie was made by one person and half was made by another. And there's, like, no coherent theme or storytelling or anything in this. And that's that's part of the reason that, it, that it's so bad. Like, I, I, I d- did not even watch Justice League when it came out. Uh, I was not Whoa. excited for it at all. See, I didn't know any of the history at that point. I wasn't quite the nerd I am now. But I, I saw Just, Justice League and was not a fan. And for those reasons, it just felt like there was a clear disconnect. Now, looking back, I'm not convinced that DC rolled this project out thinking it was good. I think they rolled it out in a way that they could maximize profits with a shitty product. This movie had a studio mandate of two hours. Mm -hmm. Why was that so important? You know, we had already phased away from movies, like it being okay for movies to be north of two hours. That's okay now. So why was the mandate to have it two hours? I think... The easy answer is to get as many screenings in at theaters as possible to cash in on as many tickets as they could and capitalize on that. Knowing it was a bad product, just go for volume shooting as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. People will show up for a Justice League movie no matter what. Once it bombs, you're fucked anyways. I've, I've, 
that's been my my working theory for the last year. So I I read into some of the leaks, and apparently there were a few Warner Brothers execs who actually said that they knew Justice League was fucking awful, and they just like couldn't they didn't have the strength to say that they were wrong and take it back to the drawing board again. So they just went with it. They they were too far in. Damn. And in so embarrassing. In one of the most heartbreaking pieces of this story, uh, Christopher Nolan goes and sees Justice League, and he tells Zack Snyder, "Please, please, please, do not go see this movie. It will crush you." And oh. I can't imagine how that would feel if you were the director of a film and and you were told by your best friend to to stay away. Just they they killed his baby, and they. They mangled it and made it something that wasn't his own. And, like, just at the worst time, too. I mean, Passion Project steps away for, you know, to grieve his daughter. Mm -hmm. And then, while this is all happening, Warner Brothers chooses not to wait for him because they, frankly, were already, you know, at odds with him. Yeah. Went in a different direction and tainted his, his product but used his name and gave him credit for the movie in the process so that he, in turn he could kind of take the fall for this disaster. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of the all-time screw-overs in Hollywood. Um, but as, as soon as Justice League comes out and people see how bad it is, they see that there are seeds of a good movie here. And so they start asking, where the fuck is the Snyder Cut, you know? Yeah, and it the rumors. I I mean that's that's such an interesting take, and I guess it was inspired from from my research, which is mostly I would like to cite my source. Most of this research just comes from Wikipedia, but <laughs> um, according to that, a lot of people were thinking like, well, since since Watchmen got a a huge long director's cut that was so much better than the original, and since uh, Batman versus Superman did the same thing, then there has to be a version of this that's just Zack Snyder's vision being fulfilled. And the cast and the crew and the fans, they're, they're all demanding to see it, even though there is no evidence that it exists yet. So, I did not know this part. People started to crowdfund ads for the Snyder Cut. Uh, even though they did not know it existed. And <laughs> half of the money um, that was crowdfunded for these ads went to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Wow. And this is, when I say, this is like one of the only instances in Hollywood where it feels like fans are the good guys, right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh, that's such a good point, too. Like, like uh, I did not know that, and it's so funny that mass media has, like, vilified Snyder fans mm -hmm. and Snyder Cut fans, but then there's stories like this on the flip side that don't get addressed. I, it's, it's crazy, but uh, there were, like, billboards on Times Square that were devoted to releasing the Snyder Cut, and essentially, after, after a few months of this, Snyder confirms... Yeah, it exists. Now it's on Warner Bros. to give the fans what they want. And the yeah. fans win. The fans win for once, dude. That's such a triumphant moment for me. 
it was a perfect storm. Like I vividly remember on Twitter and on like Reddit boards, there would be these like black and white images from the Snyder cut. Like this shot was not in the 2017 version. Yeah. What am I looking at here? And then like you'd get these little like tidbits from Snyder of like what his vision was here. Like, oh, this is what Steppenwolf was supposed to look like. This was how he was supposed to die. Darkseid's supposed to be in the movie. You missed all these things. Mm-hmm. And then covid happens theaters shut down nothing is getting put in the theaters streaming becomes a huge thing except like big studios aren't ready to just drop movies on streaming platforms without a theatrical release what what do you put on these platforms that you can make money off of and the answer is let's 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 make money on the guy we fucked over over and over again (laughs) yeah Okay, another tidbit, and I'm sure you did your research on this, but they were going to release it without beefing up the CGI. They were just going to like, look, this is this is the product you have right now. We'll put this in. And then he demanded that they pump more money. I think it was like 70 or 80 million into the product. It was only about 30 to 40, but uh, there crazy. are some conflicting reports on, on what the actual amount was. Um, okay. That said, though, now the Snyder Cut is out. People are rejoicing. This was really well received if if, as i remember it um oh my god yeah yeah, everybody loves this and and warner bros becomes the villain that they deserve to be (laughs) so perfect and and they did it to themselves they did they did it to themselves they did poetry and the the point i want to end off this history is really just just the cherry on top of the sunday and that is the Oscars introduce the Fan Cheer mm-hmm. Moment Award, which is the one chance for all these fucking Marvel heads to finally get <laughs> what they want yeah. and get a Marvel to win, Marvel movie to win an Oscar. And what earns the number one Fan Cheer Moment is Flash turning back time. That, like, I was so fucking excited when I saw that happen. That was great, man. The outcry <laughs> uh, after that, man. MCU fans were so pressed. Yeah. They didn't vote. God, that was great. They didn't vote. <laughs> the Snyder army is real, man. It is. It is so real. It is. Um, but that that really caps off just the history of, of the making of the Snyder Cut, I guess, and, and what happened to lead to Zack Snyder's Justice League being released on HBO Max. So... I kind of wanted to then break it down on more of a personal level. So, Ty, if you want to go for first, or I can, on just, like, your personal history, I guess, of Zack Snyder's Justice League and the release and, and what happened with you. So, very, like obviously, the history that we just broke down was a big portion of this. Mm-hmm. Like, over time, I just I learned so much more about Warner Brothers and what they did to Ray Fisher and how Ben Affleck didn't want to be Batman anymore and like how the reshoots were so awful. They, you know, Gal Gadot claims like sexual harassment. Ray Fisher said there was like severe, you know, racist undertones mm-hmm. and all all scenes with people of color are being removed from the movie. What's going on here? I I was the heart of this movie. Now I have five minutes of screen time. And you just keep hearing all these little things. You've got the mustache controversy with superman (laughs) there's just so many moving pieces that over time just make it so frustrating like why did we get this movie like what what happened here 
and then the little tidbits start coming out and then the hype starts building up like holy shit this might thing this might actually happen yeah then snyder does a watch party for man of steel and him and cavill announced that the snyder cut will be released on hbo max i vividly remember that announcement and my roommate tate at the time he is the biggest dc junkie ever this was like the biggest deal to him and we were just bouncing back and forth you know the two of us like we don't talk about much but we love to talk movies especially superhero movies especially dc superhero movies so it just like it brought us so much closer together when the the first trailer dropped we sent it to each other couldn't stop talking about it like i would my roommates still make fun of me to this day the the original trailer has the song hallelujah playing Mm -hmm. on it and I would listen to it full blast in the shower before work every morning at six thirty in the morning, and I would wake up the entire apartment. Um, I just, I, I couldn't believe it was real. It, it put the biggest smile on my face. I, I'm sure that you're gonna touch up on it a little bit, so I'll, I'll leave it to you. But we start texting like, dude, this thing's real. Like, what's going on here? Like the Snyder cut. Oh my god, it's happening. <laughs> Lee, all right. I know I'm going on a tangent. I'll start. I'll start dialing it back to the actual watch, like prepping for the watch. Yeah. So it's me, Tate, my roommate, who's all in, and my girlfriend at the time. We all sat down and just, it was like an event. You know, the blinds are off. Like my our other roommates, Jack and Ryan, we were like, guys, do not come out. Like if if you're gonna play 2K, fine. Do not come out. Do not laugh. None of it. Shut up and let us enjoy this movie. This is like we're at the theaters. Yeah. Movies down. I, I don't want anything, man. And I'm a big subtitles guy, but no. I'm treating this like a movie theater. The subtitles cannot be on for this. We're dialing in. We we agreed to a an intermission at the two and a half hour mark. Like, look, let's pause it. Let's get Culver's mm-hmm. fuel up and finish this movie. That's exactly what we did this was just phenomenal and i don't want to like talk about specific plot points yet but i just i kept smiling because leading up to the movie the big thing was well joss he he took 30 minutes of my movie you've seen 30 minutes worth of my movie and his movie but there's three and a half more hours that you haven't seen yeah and the whole time i'm like this is a completely different movie like it Every scene, I was like, oh, my God. Every little tidbit. And you'd catch like a scene like, oh, that was in Justice League, which means that was a good thing that Zack – like that was a Zack Snyder moment that was great in the 2017 version. Yeah. Like all the best parts of, of Justice League came from this movie that Snyder had created. There, Everything that Whedon and company manufactured, that was all the shitty stuff. Like it was such a, a crazy like eye-opening moment. Everything great about Justice League came from Snyder, and everything bad about Justice League was from Joss Whedon, not Zack Snyder. Dude, it's got it. Yeah, I remember you texting me that, and I, I, it's such an awesome realization to have of like, wow, like Snyder actually didn't fuck up. This was all the studio. Yeah, and and that is per like that's a perfect way to put it, and like there was no. There's no what ifs with this one. This is all him. Like the entire three and a half hours, four hour cut, it's all Snyder content. There's no mandates. Like 
if this thing fucks up, it's on Snyder. Mm-hmm. Like, if people don't like it, it's because Snyder made that choice. And this is, like, one of those times where everyone seemed to agree, like, okay, this was a banger. Yeah. And it, it reflects it, so well on him to have the faith in his own work that he was like, you know what? I'm putting everything out on the line here. This is all on me if it does bad, but I know that I did something special with this. God, that's so cool. And even, like, they didn't want him to film those, like, extra credit scenes, mm-hmm. like, teasing what was coming. Mm-hmm. And he, like, secretly did it in his, like, fucking backyard with a green screen. And it somehow looked better than 80% of the superhero movies that come out today. Dude. Just, just it's, it's perfect in my eyes. It was perfect. And it was perfect at the time. It came out at the perfect time. I, I, I can't, I can't rave about it enough. Clearly, this was, like, a... Just one of those great blast movies. Yeah, truly. Um, it, it, if that wraps up your personal history, I'll dive into mine then. Yeah, please. Because I actually discovered uh, the existence of the Snyder Cut because of you. I don't know if you knew this, um, but I t- you texted me something about the Snyder Cut, and I essentially just nerded out and went on a huge deep dive and learned like everything there was to know about Zack Snyder and the Snyder Cut. And you and I ended up talking about it for, like, a couple of years, pretty much, like, relatively consistently as all this news kept rolling out, the Superman mustache, like you talked about, Ray Fisher accusing uh, Whedon of CGIing his skin to be darker, which is, yikes, all the sexual harassment stuff with Gal Gadot. I, I remember vividly just getting all these texts from you, and every time I was like, where is the cut? Like, it has <laughs> to be real. And <laughs> the idea of a like of of an artist essentially getting to fulfill his creative vision with no limits, besides some of the some of the budget, obviously, is so incredible to me. Even now, I I can't believe this actually happened. Like, this is this is something that only happens in independent films with like a hundred dollar budget, like where you can just pay for the camera and that's it. It's so unreal to see it with. A, a massive multi hundred million dollar budget it's it's so awesome and such a huge ip too where so many paws are and so many skin like in the game yeah you know yeah so and we've talked about this a million times but this will probably never happen again and that's what made it special too was this isn't going to happen again and it was still great yeah like yeah this is a it, once in a in a ever scenario (laughs) right um right but but yeah i i just remember how excited i was in the weeks leading up to the actual release i remember looking at they were selling like these these mother boxes that were full of food uh to to make it more like a movie like concession thing that you could order to your house and it was like 200 bucks and i was like I mean, maybe like <laughs> I was, I was seriously weighing it just just for that experience, but the the most vivid memory I have was when Superman returned, and this this whole podcast is obviously spoiler heavy. Um, when Superman returns to fight Steppenwolf, he lands in front of him, blocks the axe. Not impressed. I jumped oh. out of my seat. And I started saying, yes, just like I was so (laughs) excited. It made me feel so so fucking alive. And I was so happy. 
And it, just everything about this lived up to my expectations. I had a similar prep experience as you with just telling my parents, tonight we're watching the Snyder Cut. I, I was home from school um, for the first year. I was all online. So this was, this was I, I'm, I'm in my living room. I'm just telling everybody, like, if you want to be in, then be in. But I am not moving for the next four hours. So yep. <laughs> don't try and talk to me. And... It, it, and it's aged so well, too. I, you and I continue to talk about this movie as kind of a symbol of hope for a number of reasons that uh, I'd like to get into later. But um, uh, some of some of our main form of communication, if, if we haven't touched base in a while, is just sending the cyborg scene at the end of, of I'm not broken and I'm not alone or or sending the song that accompanies it, um, which which I did want to touch on real quick. I didn't know this. They they axed uh tom holkenberg when they replaced snyder they they replaced him with danny elfman oh i i didn't know that holkenberg was attached but i did know that elfman replaced or replaced someone yeah but what an incredible holkenberg track or it's probably it's like he's like the lead of junkie xl i'd imagine mm-hmm. the guy that did bvs yeah yeah this this score is just phenomenal it is it is um but, but yeah, I, I feel like this is, like we've said on a number of podcasts, this is a foundation of Ty and I's friendship. And without the Snyder Cut and without kind of showing us how important movies can be to, to the parties involved and the parties watching, I feel like is part of the reason why Blast is even a thing today, if, if you agree with that. Yeah, I mean, movies have the power to create connections between people and different connections for different people and this was one of those where it brought us together mm-hmm. it was it's like you said a linchpin of our friendship like the the origin story if you will of what's what's what we're talking about like uh, the fact that we're talking about a movie app the fact we're ripping the blast podcast week to week that like you said it's probably because of this movie and how powerful it was for both of us and how it came out at the perfect time. Like it's just one of the, yeah, like we said, like one of those blast movies, it's, it feels like something more in all, in all aspects. It feels special. Yeah. And personal. And it is special and personal. And I think this is a good time to dive into uh, just kind of a brief plot synopsis because this is a long movie and I kind of wanted to break this down part by part and just go through some of the main points. I, I We obviously cannot sit here for four hours and dissect everything that happens in this movie, but I wanted to just discuss some of these, some of these big moments. So the first part is called Don't Count on a Batman, and uh, I remember just being giddy when I saw that come across the screen the first night. Uh <laughs> But it starts with Bruce Wayne just like climbing this mountain that people say is impossible. <laughs> and <laughs> he, he gets to Aquaman and Aquaman's just like, nah. And that that's pretty much the start of the movie, you know? He's he's he Batman is finally inspired by the hope that Superman gave him at the end of Batman versus Superman, and he's just instantly met with rejection of of how most of the world really is. Yeah. I I love this opening, but pair it with the immediate, you know, reminder of Superman's death and how it how it's going to tie to this movie and 
you know, the echo of his screams mm-hmm. alert and awaken the mother boxes and we're like immediately introduced to them in a proper fashion. Like, oh shit, this is because Superman died. There's a clear threat here. Then we cut to Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Um, and we get to see, like you said, this growth, like improvement uh, of Bruce Wayne's character mm-hmm. that, and it almost justifies the BBS Batman in the sense that there is a character arc. I would say it does know. justify, but I don't know. It does. It does. Maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's a great opening. And after that, we flash to a sequence that probably didn't have to be in this movie, but I'm also kind of glad it, it was, which is Wonder Woman saving a museum from some, like, terrorists who just want to set back the clock however many years <laughs> wonder woman has the greatest entrances in in movie history in my opinion her entrance in bvs is i think my favorite of all time but this one is just so badass she molly like seven bad guys mm-hmm. like throwing them through walls within 30 seconds and then saves the entire like school that's on their field trip yeah i mean she saves essentially it sounded like it was going to take out like four square blocks of of city too like she is just crazy i love speaking of entrances though i laugh every single time i hear like the ancient lamentation music come on because i'm like oh there's there's wonder woman the ah, i love it the shit that sounds straight out of dune you know <laughs> yep I can't lie, it has grown on me so much. I, I'm a huge fan of it now. Um, but yeah, I, I love, I actually do really appreciate the, the way this action is shot. Um, we we get the first real introduction of slow-mo in this movie, which I wanted to ask, over or under 8% of this movie is slow-mo? Over, it has to be. That's about 10 which is yeah i i believe it i totally believe it i mean the third act like the final battle there's so much (laughs) but it's awesome uh i i I, i'm a sucker for snyder's style um but seeing her like go through and just like block every bullet with her little gauntlets is so awesome and then chucking the bomb obviously all the way up but this act ends on a downer um, this this don't count on it. Batman ends with Steppenwolf slaughtering Wonder Woman's people. Yeah, that was. I thought that was a great scene, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, one we're introduced to this new version of Steppenwolf that we were gonna get in the first place, but Steppenwolf in 2017 is one ugly motherfucker, dude. Yeah. Just horrible CGI. He's basically just a person with horns, and then we get this this creature with this like spiky armor that's just mowing through uh the amazon like the amazons like i you forget that this movie's rated r Mm -hmm. and the blood and gore in this scene and uh, there's a couple shots of like him axing some of the women it's holy it's 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 brutal at times yeah and, and the whole time i feel like one of the best parts of this is that Steppenwolf feels so strong the moment he enters the screen, especially with the whole 
Daughters of Themyscira, show him your fear. We have no fear. And he just looks so completely good. unfazed. Like, you know that all of this resistance just feels, like, futile. Like, you see that they're, they're literally bow and arrowing the box as far as possible to get it away from this guy. And he just keeps catching up and killing everybody. Yeah. I mean, it's spelled out later in the movie. Like, yeah, this world is is slim pickings. I mean, there's no Kryptonians and there's no lanterns. I'm going to mm-hmm. mow through this this planet. And it's very clear from the get-go, like this entire civilization of very strong, super-powered people just get their asses handed to them from the rip. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great establishment of stakes of, okay, this guy is here, he means business, and he's ready to fuck up anything that stands in his way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but and and that's another point too he doesn't make a single joke and i like that too when my villains aren't funny people mm-hmm. like when you want someone to be evil and want them to mean business don't make them crack jokes yeah glad that was removed here no uh me too and and that concludes part one and the parts in this movie i did want to touch on real quick do you think this works better as a mini series? No, I don't. Okay. Do you? I don't think so, but I think it could have still worked as a miniseries. Like, if it would have to be restructured in a sense. Yeah. I feel like it's this movie's really bottom heavy, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like the second half is far better than the first half, in my opinion. There's a lot of great setup, but the payoff far outweighs the setup, in my opinion. Yeah, i i can I can agree with that. There is a lot of great payoff in this movie. Um, that said. Part two is the Age of Heroes, and really only two big things happen in this. We have the origin of the Mother Boxes, and we get that massive, like, showing of of Zeus and the Lanterns and the Atlanteans and the Amazons all fighting back and pushing back Darkseid. I want to hear your thoughts on this scene. I don't know if I've ever heard them. It's just, well, one, it's badass, and I'm... I love it seeing young dark side, mm-hmm. seeing the green lantern that always gives me goosebumps. But I, I more so always think of it as this was Earth's first Justice League. Yeah. Like the only way we're going to beat this crazy of an enemy is if we all come together, put our differences aside, and use all of our strengths to take him out. It was like a clear symbol um, of what's to come. Like our super beings on this planet the only way they're going to beat steppenwolf is if they all come together yeah so that that's the way i looked at it i i love it too i i always forget that zeus is also a dc character i um but this also brings up probably the funniest part of the movie to me which is that steppenwolf (laughs) takes the amazon's box that they have like enshrined in this holy temple he takes the Atlanteans box that they have also like enshrined in a holy temple, but he has the most trouble finding the box that the, that the people just buried in the dirt. <laughs> it's so fitting. You know, I used to, that used to drive me nuts that like the, the Amazon, the Amazons, they had some super intricate plan to protect their box. Same with the Atlanteans. And then we buried it in the ground in a random spot. But I will say now like humanity's fucked like they made the right call if you give it to any 
if you put it in the hands of any specific person or any specific like country like po- power is so corrupt yeah. amongst humans and so they made the right call i believe that uh they briefly mentioned that maybe it came into hitler's possession during world war ii <laughs> yeah the, the nazis found it in like the yeah. in the first world war or something <laughs> yeah i don't know i remember cyborg breaking that down um that said, though, we also get the origin of Steppenwolf, kind of. We, we kind of learn that he has betrayed Darkseid. He is Darkseid's son, and he is conquering all these worlds to hopefully get back to his father's side. And that's his motivations, and that's something that you don't see at all in the Justice League cut. You almost feel bad for him at times when he's clearly trying to make his way back home. That's his only objective, and it's clear that Desaad and Darkseid are pretty disgusted with with Steppenwolf, and this is his punishment for basically the end of time. Yeah, it's and and Snyder, I've seen in interviews say that he wants you to like feel bad for Steppenwolf, and and I think that's pretty cool. Um, I like it. Yeah, I mean he's got the puppy dog eyes in some scenes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right, part three. You ready to keep pumping this out? Let's keep moving. So. Part three is maybe my favorite part of the film, and this is the origin of Cyborg. You, you get to see he he hears this tape from his dad and, and discovers his powers. He gives the this like family money that that needs it uh, through like manipulating the ATM machine, and you get to see him like in this weird like bank world where he is like tearing apart a a bull and uh a bear yeah and a bear i i still don't know what that's about but it's cool and uh just in general i love cyborg's origin so much i love the football scene too this is a top five greatest sports movie of all time and uh the accident i feel like makes sense and you like immediately feel for this character so Steve mentioned earlier that this movie is the reason we are friends or like like built our friendship to what it is now. But I would say that Cyborg's journey in this movie is the reason it's sustained. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we always come back to this character whether it's his origin story, his journey, or where he ends up at the end of the movie, and it's always as like as moving as the first time we saw it. Like, just him breaking down this origin and, like, breaking down the little moments. Like, I wish you guys could see right now, but I am, like, my arms are covered in goosebumps right now. This is my favorite superhero character in a movie ever, and I think it's my favorite origin story. I I will definitely save it for the third act when we talk about My Broken Boy, (laughs) but holy moly, man, I... I could get emotional just talking about it right now. That's awesome. And and with that incredibly sad origin story, we also get the comedic relief, which I actually find good in this movie, which is The Flash. Um, especially after watching The Flash. like I feel like Zack Snyder was pulling a lot of strings to make Ezra Miller feel likable in this movie. And I think it was successful. Yeah, I really enjoy the Flash in this movie. Yeah, I love him him catching uh, catching the Batarang and saying, "Can I keep this?" You know, like he's just so <laughs> giddy all the time. Uh, I need friends. Yeah, hi Barry, I'm Diana. Wait, that's not right. That's awesome. Um, 
And uh, I, Batman recruits the both of those to the league, or Wonder Woman recruits Cyborg. Yes, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that they made Bruce and Diana the reason that the Justice League is forming. Like, I remember in the original cut, if that's what you want to call it, Bruce Wayne was the re- the the one that figured out the mother boxes and explains it to Diana. I like that she was the one that learned and explained that to Bruce, mm-hmm. and he did the majority of the recruiting. I, I I love it. I think it I think it works really well, and it makes sense that she would know about this as like growing up in the Amazon culture. Um, it just it just works better. Yeah. Right. And uh, this act ends with. Uh, an amazing fight scene which is steppenwolf getting the atlantean box that is that if you thought the the scene on the mascara was gruesome this one's far worse i'm pretty sure steppenwolf axes at least two people in half mm-hmm. yeah he's he means business he's brutal and the effects are actually really good in this um i was like kind of wowed by like the the intricacy of just like the blood flowing in the water even is really cool well, even, like, the technology used for, like, CGI hair and stuff, mm-hmm. like, now, because we didn't see this movie until, what, 2021? Yeah. Aquaman came out in 2018. This movie was supposed to come out in 2017. It's so cool to see, like, the CGI that was incorporated in Aquaman came from this movie, came from, like, Snyder's vision of how to make it work. Yeah. I thought that was awesome. It's, yeah. That the water scenes are great. It's, I, I love them. And the way that, um obviously amber heard issues aside i love the way that mira like manipulates the air bubbles and makes steppenwolf like crash and fall and and swirl around i think it's really cool she like makes him draw blood yeah like she like it's ripping the blood from his body it's super cool yeah. and then aquaman's entrance in that scene the the score just swells mm-hmm. it's it's perfect and then he... he's fighting steppenwolf in jeans <laughs> yeah that's funny <laughs> it's so funny. It's so fitting for Momoa. Um, but yeah, that that's the end of, of part three. And moving into part four, we get the first time we see the four of these Justice League members fight Steppenwolf. Yeah. Am I missing something? No. Well, yeah, it is only the four because Aquaman shows up to save them. Yeah, so we see oh. Barry essentially sidelined for the most part and he's like still figuring out really what to do uh i love the scene where he like taps wonder woman's sword so she can catch it i think that's so funny um, that's a great scene yeah and uh victor rescues his dad which is awesome it's kind of the start it's an underrated moment that starts victor's redemption towards forgiveness in this movie which i think is really important yeah well he shows so much hatred mm-hmm. towards his father throughout the entire first act and then the moment he's in peril like immediately turns his brain off and and saves his father gets him to safety but when they're talking to each other he's like of course i did it you're my father like there still isn't that like big emotional payoff yet but like you said we're we're working towards it we're working towards it which is cool Um, pair that i i just love like the pairing of cyborg and flash in this scene cyborg still bitter about his accident just wants nothing to do with with corny barry allen during this battle like dude i've got it please just get moving save these people (laughs) yeah and um then cyborg after this fight aquaman saves them obviously and cyborg explains that the mother box is a change machine and 
you get the whole anybody with a match can turn a house into smoke, but the mother box can turn the smoke back into house. I know we're all thinking it. Who's going to say it? I'm not going to say it. Hans, Hans Zimmer's score starts swelling up. You get the man of man of steel theme and then, and then the, the hologram. It's so awesome. Um, there's one other thing that happens in this act. Martian Manhunter talks to Lois, which makes no fucking sense to me. Can, can we skip over this part? Because I don't like it. All right. So part five is all the king's horses this is superman returning the justice league has to fight him he is scared and confused until lois brings him back it's beautiful i think you've mentioned this in a a previous pod but the fact that evil superman is brought back to reality awoken by the most human thing ever love like connection human connection his his person reaching out to him it stops him in his tracks stops him from killing batman and he flies off with her i think that's awesome yeah and i think that's why i love this version of superman so much uh compared to other uh, like renditions of him is that he he is really he feels alien and he is connected to earth only by his love to his mother to his father who is now dead and to lois and and like you said there's nothing more there's nothing more human than love you know right and superman is slowly becoming the superman that you see from like chris reeve like the 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 pure heart like the the perfect superman yeah i would say yeah um all right this brings us to the the part six which is the final part besides the epilogue and this is called something darker this is the final fight and this is the greatest one of the greatest superhero entrances of all time if not the greatest oh so good dude you already mentioned it i think what was so special for me was i've mentioned that this movie is way different than its counterpart but i remember getting to the final battle and noticing a lot of similarities and it was starting to frustrate me like Okay, so just the character work was missing. We're kind of reaching similar territory mm-hmm. with the fight scenes. What's going to be different here? The Superman's entrance is so different in 2017. It sucked. It was so corny. It was literally pulled from a 1970 Superman movie, yeah. and I hated it. This came out of nowhere. It was basically a jump scare. That's why it's so awesome. Like, oh my god, oh my god, like he yeah. he showed up. I, 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 because in the 2017 version, Steppenwolf does act cyborg, so you're expecting him to axe him here, yeah. and you get the Superman jump scare. It's so it's good. so, and I've watched this fight scene so many times, and I love it so much because it it took me until like the fourth or fifth time that I watched the scene where I realized that when Superman punches him up. Superman flies like into the fucking stratosphere <laughs> to come back and punch him back down. Like that is so badass. And then when they're basically like playing like um what is it? Like hot potato with him. Mm-hmm. Like Aquaman, Wonder Woman and Superman are all getting their licks in. Yeah, it's so good. And Batman's just like kind of chilling. Um <laughs> <laughs> while Flash is running around in circles. Yeah. 
And and that's something I wanted to talk about. So Flash gets shot in this scene. A lot of the complaints I've heard about this movie stem from how the fuck does the parademon hit the Flash? And I feel like he would be impossible to miss. Right. Because since he's right. moving so fast, like I feel like no matter what, if you aimed it in that little circle that he's running in, it would have to hit him. Right? I, I, I completely agree. That's how I always saw it. Like, the guy just finally timed it up. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I don't and, and again, who cares? Yeah. Like, shut up. <laughs> like, so many more ridiculous things have happened in way worse superhero movies. Right. Give me a break. And then, stop complaining also, because it leads to arguably the greatest comic book movie scene of all time. <laughs> First off, before we talk about that scene, I want to talk about Flash turning back time. That's what, no. That's what you're talking about. I think, I think that's. I think that's one of the greatest comic book movies. I I, I agree. It's one of the greatest. But the scene that happens after it is my favorite of all time. Um, I I am hearing the score in my head of, and he's. I gotta break the rule. You gotta break the rule, Barry. And he's talking to his dad. I'm I'm one of them. I'm one of the best. That is such a triumphant moment. You you are you are throwing me for a loop. What is the better scene after this? It's Cyborg inside the mother boxes. Oh my god, that happens right after. Yeah, this is like that, the greatest th- ten minutes in, in movie oh history. Oh my god, we go from Superman's return to Flash turning back time to my broken boy. Yeah. Oh my god, what a stretch! <laughs> it is like that. That is the most rewatchable scene. It's just this twenty minutes of pure joy to fear to to courage to fucking triumphance like it's so awesome uh that scene where cyborg goes back into the mother boxes and he's faced off against his parents and himself and in human form saying we can put it back vic my broken boy you know we can make you whole again and he finally realizes that he's not broken and he's not alone and i again i'm i'm literally goosebumps head to toe right Me now too. <laughs> it's it's the perfect it's the perfect arc not just for cyborg but for for me and i'm guessing you as well Absolutely. when it came out like i i'm sure we're gonna get into this at some point but like this came out at a time where i was bitter and felt broken and felt alone mm-hmm and this movie reminded me that I'm not any of those things, and it, that's why it's so special, dude. It is such, it's such an incredible scene. I like, it's it's amazing what Snyder is able to do. This is the culmination. Like to me, them kicking Steppenwolf's ass is not the climax of the film. It's Cyborg realizing like that he is he isn't broken. He's not alone. That is that is the culmination of everything in this movie, and it's so fucking special that Snyder is able to do that and make the climax this very deeply personal moment instead of the, the over-the-top action that's everywhere else in this movie. God, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And again, just another scene that you don't see in the original cut, so it's even like another great surprise. That last 20 minutes is just one big great surprise. Dude, it 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 really is, and to continue to um, 
to touch on on Cyborg's arc, we go straight, pretty much straight in. They they kill Steppenwolf, and then we're thrust back into Cyborg's character, and we get him finally listening to his dad's tape, where he says, "So good." Now let me speak to you from my heart, not as a scientist, as a father. Your father twice over. Goosebumps again, dude. It's so fucking good. Um, I I brought you into this world and back to it. You can't imagine how proud I am of who you are. Have always been. So many years with you, I wasted. So many wrongs, I've left unrighted. Everything breaks, Victor. Everything changes. The world is hurt, broken, unexchangeable. But the world's not fixed in the past. Only the future. The not yet. The now. The now is you. Now, now is your time, Victor, to rise. Do this, be this. The man I never was, the hero you are. Take your place among the brave ones, the ones that were, that are, that are yet to be. It's time you stand, fight, discover, heal, love, win. The time is now. Keep going. And I just refuse to believe that that was in the movie before um, Autumn's passing. That feels like it is a note to his daughter, and like I am <laughs> about to cry just thinking uh, about it. Um, but God, it's so bad. I want to I talk about that a little bit more later. For now, <laughs> Barry also gets to tell his dad he got a job in criminal science. His dad freaks out, and it's awesome. I love that scene, too. It makes me smile from ear to ear. And um, then we end yeah. on Batman's premonition. It's yeah. I it's so crazy. I um I really do wish that it ended on Cyborg's or on Victor's or sorry, Silas's message. I do I too. I thought that was the perfect ending. But I do love all these little like tidbits into the future and what this like could have become. You know, we skipped over the Cyborg's vision that happens when they resurrect Superman mm-hmm. and he sees Darkseid mowing out, mowing down the Justice League, Superman becoming evil, killing Batman. I just, and then you get the sneak peek into this apocalypse, yeah. and you see Batman and Deathstroke are boys. He's with the Joker, like this ragtag group of people. The Flash, Ray Fisher as Cyborg, mm-hmm. um, Mara. It's so bizarre. It's and and to me, I I understand what you're saying with um, with wanting to end on, on Cyborg's dad's tape, and I agree. I think that is a better ending for the movie. But I I consider that kind of the end of the movie with Barry telling his dad he got his job, and I consider the nightmare Batman's K N I G H T mare the nightmare. Um, I consider that more of like a trailer. Like for for what could have yeah. been, and like kind of just one last slap to the face for Warner to Warner Bros of like, this is what you could have had. Yeah, I love it, and you, and like that was great too. The fans were so pressed about that. For I mean, they still are, but for like what felt like a year and a half, like, please give us the sequel. Mm-hmm. Like, please make Zack Snyder's Justice League two. Please make it happen. And then he like started like writing tidbits about how the Riddler had solved the anti. Uh, anti-life equation yeah. you ever read about yeah. that that would have been genius it, i love that concept yeah it would have been fucking awesome and um I, I i just i love this this scene by itself um 
it does feel semi-disconnected from the rest of the movie, but I love... I, I remember just being like, what the fuck? When I hear the... Ah, 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 Jared Leto's like weird-ass Joker laugh. I was like, what is going on? Gosh, but I love... I really enjoyed Leto in this scene as the Joker. So do like, I. It was like his... Re- it was his redemption from another studio mangled the suicide or suicide squad movie yeah no it it absolutely is and i think he succeeded in it and and that brings us to the end of our of our discussion of the plot of this movie and um i i i now wanted to take it a little bit deeper and interpret Zack snyder's justice league as a whole for as an allegory for depression and and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I have to wonder how much do you think this, this cut changed after autumn's death? Because it could have been a completely different movie and maybe super, or maybe, maybe Snyder put a lot of these things in as, as a way to, to grieve and to cope. I'm not sure. I don't know how the timeline checks out. She passed in what? 2016, 2017. Yeah. About 2016, I believe. So I yeah I mean I don't know how far he was in the production but like there's definitely little tidbits throughout the movie that are altered I mean I can think of one scene in particular where Bruce and Barry are driving um, from Barry's place and there's that billboard um, like the suicide prevention mm-hmm. website I'm not sure what it is but there there are, there are little tidbits <clears throat> I I don't know did you have a couple flags that you haven't called out already Yeah so. I guess for me, when I'm looking at this movie, what sets it apart from really every other superhero movie I've ever seen besides The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is that love is the most important piece of this. Um, th- this is this is a super superhero movie about love and not really about saving the world as much as it is on the first glance, if that makes sense. I mean... It absolutely does. I mean, we just talked about how Cyborg self-love is the linchpin and kind of the cornerstone of the finale. Yeah, so I guess I kind of wanted to go character by character and, and break down this take a little bit more for our listeners then. So I started off with Superman, and like we said, Superman comes back from the dead and he's confused and angry, but when he sees Lois, he knows he's loved, and that love just immediately conquers all of his fear and he he knows when he sees her he knows that he's not alone and and that's the other big piece of this movie i think is is loneliness like none of these characters are alone like like cyborg's big line is not just a line for cyborg it is for everybody in this movie for batman he we talked about how at the start of this movie he's learned how to open himself up a little bit he's he's trying to find this team because superman's loss like empowered him and he's been hard and we've seen in batman versus superman he's been incredibly hard and from years of loss whether whether it be with robin which the joker references at the end or his parents or anything and once Batman is able to open up and he finds Barry and Arthur and Victor and he obviously already had met Diana, he also knows that he is he's no longer alone. He's not in this by himself. Which is the only time we really get to see Batman do that in a in a Batman centric movie, which I consider the semi Batman centric. <clears throat> 
I mean, regardless, you're right. I mean, his... We talked about at the beginning. He goes through this journey of being bitter, broken, isolating himself at all points, believing that the world is against him and he is against the world. Mm -hmm. And that completely is flipped in this movie and and he his entire journey through this you know trilogy or duology for this character is is i i guess building not just hope but but love yeah i I, exactly and and aquaman has a semi-similar arc with he he doesn't have a home he he doesn't have his people really yet and so he, you can see he's a good man. He's bringing this Icelandic village fish, but he doesn't know what to fight for yet. And he, we, we end this movie on him going to find his dad, which is awesome to me. This is that's such an underrated just one single line that changes I think his entire character is, yeah, I'm gonna go see my dad. And you know, I mean, we've got Wonder Woman too. Like she, she mentions the cyborg like. I close myself off in the world, but I'm still, and I'm still working on trying to figure that out. But mm-hmm. she's found her place on this team, and and now she's looking to go, go back home at the end of this movie. Yeah, she's trying to get back to her mom. And 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 another one of those heartbreaking moments that, that really just fly by in ten seconds, and you don't really notice it until the rewatch is that Steppenwolf tells her that if she were there, she could have saved them all. Yeah, that's fucking horrible and she calls him a liar but you can see that she knows that he's right and and being in this team has taught her again that she's not alone and uh flash flash is the second to last character here that we're breaking down and he he lost his mother and his father because of his mother's loss and he makes that joke early on that he needs friends but like that's that's real (laughs) like like he's he's got to deal with it some way, and um, he he's stuck, living af- living afraid to take any chance on himself and see if he can succeed, and that culminates in that ending of getting that criminal justice job, and his dad celebrating so much, and and that comes from the Justice League giving him courage because now he's he's not alone, and and that brings us to Cyborg, which is as as you and I talked about the best character in this film, and. You can see why Zack Snyder called Ray Fisher first when when they told him that he was going to get to do the Snyder Cut. And Cyborg loses his mother, he loses his father, and he loses himself in this film. And he has nobody left, but he finds the Justice League, and that is so beautiful. And he's not broken, and he's not alone. And he forgives his father, and he conquers his fears and and he beats it he he wins <laughs> gosh i all i keep saying is i keep getting goosebumps but i mean i sorry like it, this one's tough like yeah. i i mean for i think i sent it to you like for months afterwards but just that quote and i still have the bookmark like in the back in the background right now i know you can't see it but it's literally this ripped up post-it note and it's those two sentences that i put in every single one of my books and i look at it every single day just just as a reminder i mean that used to be like the thing i would say in the mirror yep just just to get through the day like this character saved me at a perfect time yep 
and this movie saved me at a perfect time. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. And if you have any other thoughts, uh, now's now's the time to voice them because I'm about to about to go into my conclusion here that I that I've typed up before this pod. Oh gosh, um, you're scaring me. Let's hear it. I'm good. All right. Um, so just. Just this movie is special for a lot of reasons, and obviously we've just spent a whole lot of time talking about it because of that. And all that said, there are two main reasons why I think this film means as much to me as it does. And the first is that we're lucky enough to live in a world where creativity and perseverance actually won, like for one time. And and it's so rare. That's the stuff of movies, and and as an aspiring writer, it warms my heart to know that Zack Snyder, who is an artist, was able to stick up for himself and actually make the piece of art that he wanted to make, <clears throat> and it's 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 just such a triumphant thing. And the first reason, though, completely pales in comparison to the second, which is. I am never, ever one to say that tragedies happen for a reason. I think that sometimes life just absolutely sucks. But it makes me tear up thinking that Zack Snyder was able to take a film that belongs to the by far most creatively starved genre and make something that genuinely inspired change as a tribute to his daughter. And 30 years from now, when I look back at the time when superhero movies ruled the industry, I'm not going to remember... Any Avengers movie that made me feel excited when I watched it in a crowded theater. I'm I'm probably not gonna remember Superman the, the the feeling I got when Superman first landed and kicked Steppenwolf's ass. But I'll remember this the way that this film made me and I'm sure countless other people out there feel just a little bit less alone. <laughs> and I'll remember this movie as as a movie that the fans raised over $500,000 for suicide prevention in support of a filmmaker going through a tragic time. And I'll remember the movie that helped me form one of the most important friendships of my life (laughs) with this guy on the pod with me. And, oh God, I'm getting really choked up. Fuck. (laughs) I know that this show, like, obviously doesn't have too big of a listener base, but by some random stroke of luck, Zack Snyder somehow hears this one day. I just want to say thank you for making something that genuinely made a difference in so many lives, including my own, instead of accepting the fact that this could have just been a forgettable blockbuster. Because when I saw this movie, it genuinely reminded me that I'm not broken, and I'm not alone. (laughs) And that thought sticks with me on my worst days, just years later. So... Thank you for listening to this very special episode of The Blast Podcast, and we will catch you next week.